Welcome to another episode of this podcast series by the Program in International Nutrition at Cornell University, or as we call it, the PIN Podcast. In this series, trainees in PIN interview leaders and rising stars in the field of international nutrition and global health. Today on the podcast, our interviewers include graduate students like myself. My name is Kripa, and I'm a fourth-year PhD candidate, as well as some other PIN trainees. Hello to us, Josue Elizabeth. Hello and namaste, I'm Nidhi. Today we are very excited to have with us Dr. Muhammad Munirul Islam. Dr. Islam is a scientist at International Level Nutrition and Clinical Services Division, International Center for Diarrheal Disease Research, Bangladesh, or ICDDRB. He is also a senior consultant physician at the Dhaka Hospital, ICDDRB, managing and treating children suffering from malnutrition and other infectious diseases. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Islam. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me here. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. To start us off, we would love to hear more about your early career trajectories, perhaps how you started as a graduate student and what brought you to the field of nutrition. Thank you very much, Kripa. Yes, you have taken me back 27 years uh, before. So I just graduated from medical school. I'm basically a medical doctor. And then I graduated from Dhaka Medical College, uh, situated in Dhaka, the capital of Bangladesh. And then soon after I came out of medical school, then I wanted to have a job, you know, for living. So I saw an advertisement that they are going to hire some medical officers for some research projects. And that's on a nutrition project. They are looking at like comparing plant protein versus animal protein in children suffering from shigalosis or blood dysentery. So I applied there and I joined. But my primary intention, like any other uh, young doctors in Bangladesh, what they do, they just come out of the medical school and then complete their intern or the residency and they join the government services and uh, become a typical doctor who goes to the hospital, sees patient, comes back to the clinics and this is the way. So I was also thinking about that and in between, I thought that maybe I can gather some experiences. So I was getting involved in for disqualifying uh, exams and as well as doing some uh, this research experience at ICTDRB. So after one year, I was interested that people, those who work over there, you need to learn some like epidemiology, some biostat, what is mean, what is media and these kind of things. So I joined a four weeks of, of course on biostatistics and epidemiology at the, our in-house course and that actually opened my eyes and they said wow this is very interesting that if i'm a physician i can take care of one two three ten patients but if i'm a i mean an epidemiologist or can be like a public health nutritionist and public health expert then i can probably help more so these kind of things i was thinking at that time and in the meantime what happened like uh, i applied for the qualifying exam but somehow I was not qualified. So then I was a little bit upset, but one of my senior told me that you should not be so dogmatic that you will have to see patients. There are a lot of doctors there for to see the patients, so better take something else. But the good part is that from that time, I used to take care of the patients at the hospital that you just mentioned about young children suffering from severe acute malnutrition. Like during that time, we did not have Z-scores. We used to tell like percent of median. So like 30% of weight for age 
or height for age. That means that a one-year child is three kg weight, you know. So that actually struck me very much. In the meantime, what happened? During that time, there was not much of the programs that used to offer international students for going to uh, developed world like USA or UK or to in any European countries. So there was a call from UC Davis and that was like an institutional call and that was covered in Fogarty Fellowship. Probably you heard about that, a Fogarty Fellowship. Yeah, so that was under the Fogarty Fellowship and uh, there was a center-wide, like in ICD, there be wide competition, like an interview and exams like that. So somehow I qualified. And then I was sent to Davis in 2001. And then I completed two years of my like academic training, like all coursework, all like midterms and finals and all those things. So end of 2003, I came back to Bangladesh after completing all the coursework. And over there, we used to have like a preliminary exam like and if I can remember like two three hours of oral exams you also probably take that over there so I came back in 2003 and then completed my dissertation work that was on complementary feeding of young breastfed children and then in 2007 fall I was awarded the degree and in Davis they used to award like an uh, like PhD in nutrition and they call it like designated emphasis in international nutrition that means like uh, you have to take additional courses on international nutrition. So 2007 onwards, I'm become a like a certified public health nutritionist or a clinical nutritionist. So since then, I was I'm working as I said like 30, 40 percent of time in the hospital. Rest of the time, I have to write grants, I have to conduct trials, I have to analyze data, write reports, write manuscripts. So these kind of things I have to. I have to do since then for more than last 15 16 years and right at this moment i am holding a position at a scientist at international level we have two levels like national levels and international levels so just moving on yeah that's that's very interesting and i and i think it also covers some of our questions we're always curious yeah. about uh, what you do in your normal day of life you know if you also have to write grants the same way that sometimes we have to and so given all that you mentioned and, and your trajectory in research, what do you think are the priorities or what do you think will be the priorities for the next five, 10 years? In a, in a way, this question is also to guide young professionals or students like us into what are the things that are important to focus on in our career? Okay. So if you top of my if you ask me, like when 20 years back, when we were studying uh, nutrition, looking at the nutritional problems. For example, like there were like single nutrient. Okay, only acute malnutrition, the best thing. But right at this moment, to me, I mean, for example, if you want to focus on micronutrient nutrition or the malnutrition, you have to focus holistically. You know, like uh, I was told, like probably in one of my like vitamin classes that one single vitamin doesn't come alone with a deficiency. So you have to focus very holistically and you have to focus like, for example, like not when you, you see a vitamin A deficiency, definitely there are other nutrient deficiencies over there. And second thing uh, in this world, you, I mean, when you'll be going out and I've seen a lot of my friends, they love to work in industry. So definitely we need some ready products, but at the same time, you also should look for, I mean, what are the indigenous? What are the products uh, or what are the food ingredients that's helpful for the for these kind of things 
you all should focus on, especially when you are working in developing countries or middle income countries. Because the problems are more over there uh, other than few nutrients or, or, or that most of the nutrient are uh, deficiencies or the problems related to nutrition uh, over there in the low and middle income countries. Great, thank you. And, and sort of considering uh, this, you know, how we have changed in terms of focusing in one macronutrient to a more holistic perspective, what do you think or in your experience, what has been sort of the, the skills or tools that you gain through your PhD that has helped you to be where you are? In a way, that's a little bit of the, a safe way to advise to us in what should we be focusing on. Now, the first thing uh, that I tell myself from my childhood that there is no shortcut in life. Okay, so during my PhD, the, the, the courses that I took over and I always try to have them implemented in the real life. Like for example, if you have heard about the linear programming that we design diets. So we were taught during our international nutrition courses that okay, if you are given like a whole lot of or the whole list of food items and from there you have to choose something, uh, a combination of food and all those things. So many of the uh, students they learned but they did not practice but for me I practice that and with that I already developed a couple of foods and among them like one of the food uh, that is we call it like microbiota directed complementary food that is some of the food that we have microbiome within our gut and some of them are beneficial some of them are not so some food that helps to proliferate in a positive way to have the microbiomes move on and that helps to absorb the food so this kind of food this is a long story i developed and that has been i applied for patenting both in us and that four foods in usa as well as in bangladesh uh, when i look back i said oh i just uh, learned the technique and now i am using that in the field and at the same time like and i designed two diets Although within a team for Bangladesh for children suffering from severe acute malnutrition. So very soon we no longer will be importing the foods from outside the country, rather we will be producing by our own self. So this is one kind of thing that I learned from over there. And the most thing that when you go through this laborious and these extensive coursework, that helps you to develop and have confidence over yourself. That actually I think has gave, given me that okay, have the confidence, you know. So, like, you cannot remember anything. You cannot memorize anything. But you you have the ways that, I mean, which door you have to knock. I, I do, though I did not mention in my CV, short bio, that in weekends, I teach nutrition in one of the leading uh, private university in Bangladesh, North South University, for a nutrition course. And I tell my students that uh, you don't have to remember many things, but you need to know that, I mean, which door you have to knock. For example, like if you move in a corridor on both sides, there are rooms. So for example, one room contains all micronutrients, one room, all information about macronutrients. You need to know the right door to knock when and, and how. So that's the thing you should learn during your coursework. Thank you so much for sharing your career trajectory and your experience as a PhD student, Dr. Islam. And kind of going back to Elizabeth's question, what are some of the skills do you think that trainees of our generation need to learn in the field of international nutrition? Well, the very first thing when you think about international nutrition, you come out of your home, you go to different places. So very first thing is you have to be adaptive in different and new contexts. And at the same time, 
it is something different from the laboratory than in the dealing with human life and when you are dealing with human life then you have to be more particular and you have to be more specific and you have to be more sincere yeah thank you so much and could you please also tell us what is the best advice you've received career wise or in life in general couple of things if you ask me from my my first when i started working at icddrb so my supervisor told me that if you are asked to move two steps you should move two and a half steps okay you go ahead and that makes you different from your peers so i i still follow that and i used to still follow during my phd days and that i think over time that has been paid off to me that is really interesting and i feel like this conversation is getting so insightful couple of things that i have noted down for myself is like you said if you are asked to move two steps move two and a half steps that makes you different from your peers i will note that for life but i also liked the way you put it about coursework that you don't have to remember everything but you need to know which door to knock and i feel like that is a very important takeaway for the students who are still taking coursework so we're almost towards the end of our podcast and before we wrap up there are two final questions in no specific order so you can answer in whichever order you prefer what is the best thing about your job and what is the worst thing about your job if you ask me the best thing of my job currently what i'm doing that is i do have the independence and i do have the flexibility so that i think will choose for my the best thing and if you ask me worst thing probably i won't tell anything worse because the worst is something a relative word you know but if you ask me that like you are the younger ones when i started my career maybe none of you were born even so what i think you know moving moving forward and uh, moving forward is very important and at the same time you have to be very positive that makes your life easier living easier and as i said like uh, if you think that this is worse like for example if at my workplace i find something very worse okay that can be anything if i think about but if i don't think that that's not worse but relatively not good then i think that can be a better answer and one thing being a researcher you have to balance with the family like your family time and as well as your personal time so many a times your family time would demand for your and for your professional times for example uh, when we do like collaborations with develop world most of the cases like our time zones are different especially nidhi and kripa you know like time zones are different so it's like 9:30 9:20 now is quite late over here probably i am the last person in the office but but i don't mind because i usually leave during this time so that actually you have to think about and if you take it positively that should not be a problem we are glad you also brought up balancing family and work and i'm sure our listeners appreciate it thank you so much dr islam for joining us today it was great to learn about everything you've done and are doing thank you very much thank you all for being here and thank you to the listeners of this podcast Stay tuned for more insightful conversations with amazing researchers in international nutrition and global health. Thanks for listening and many thanks to Elena Kerki for our theme music.